Welcome once again to A Christian and a Buddhist Walk into a Bar. My name is Jamal. I am a Buddhist. And I'm Jacob. I'm a Christian. Uh, Jamal, how are you this morning? I'm good. I am coffeeed up right now, which is very important. I uh, I rocked up today having not had a coffee, uh, and so I feel like my energy is were very low, um, but now I have some sweet, sweet caffeine running through my veins, and um, my drug of choice is is working its magic. Do you know how coffee works? Um, it- I, I something around the neurological things, but no, tell me. If you well, know. Uh, my my understanding is that the chemical in coffee fits perfectly within your brain's receptacle for. Oh, what's it called? I forget what it's called, but the thing that makes you feel sleepy, the chemical signal that you're that goes into the brain to say, I'm tired, I need to rest. Yeah, okay. Caffeine fits perfectly within that. Yeah, right. And so what happens is that blocks the sleepy chemical yeah. from getting to your brain and you go, oh, I don't feel tired. So it doesn't actually give you more energy. It just stops you from feeling sleepy. This is... What I'm told. Nice. My favorite. I'm not a scientist, but you know, <laughs> my favorite little coffee factor, which I bet you is a topic for a different podcast, is um, that there is a good, there is a good bank of evidence to say that the Renaissance occurred purely because Europe found coffee. I've I've seen that correlation causation. My wife's a yeah. mathematician. She would say correlation. What is it? XKCD has a correlation doesn't imply causation. Yes, but it points its finger and waggles its eyebrows suggestively. Yes, very good. Um, so um, you have an article for me this week, and you have some questions you want to ask me. I hear certainly do. So the article this week is from the the Patheos Public Theology blog. Um, by a guy by the name of Ted Peters, and it's called Radical Life Extension, Cybernetic Immortality or Resurrection of the Body. Uh, And he's talking uh, part of a series of articles around transhumanism Mm -hmm. or Humanity Plus, um, which he says plans to solve all human problems with advances in AI, uh, and one H plus goal is to cure death. So there's four options right. he presents in his article. And I want to know which of these four. He puts them at the top, so I'm not withholding information from you that the article doesn't. Would you prefer, number one, natural death as the end of all conscious ex- existence? Number two, radical life extension in your present body. Number three, cybernetic immortality. So your conscious, consciousness lives on in the cloud. Uh, or number four, resurrection of the body as promised in 1 Corinthians 15. Alrighty. Um, so I am going to say, kill me. Okay. Just, just Number one or number four? Which, sh- which, which are we killing? Nah, number one, just kill me for good. Kill me for good. Okay. Uh, no, I'm, I, I'm happy with that. This is going to be a short podcast. <laughs> yeah, this is it. Thank you. You've been listening to a Christian Buddhist. No, um, this I, was Jamal. <laughs> th- this this goes to a really interesting thing, I think, in Buddhism. Um, so I'm really excited to talk about this. Um, Buddhism, I think, is fairly unique in the religious world in that um, if you think about the kind of the ultimate aims of a religion, right? So you go to kind of what is the ultimate promise of Christianity or Judaism or Islam or, you know, any number of religions. Um, And at the end of the day, the the best thing that can possibly happen to you in most religions is that you have a version of a 
uh, a version of either a, an ascension or a rebirth or some kind of version of your life, which is kind of like your life, but a whole lot better, mm -hmm. right? So that, you know, you go to heaven or, you know, you, you get reborn. Or Valhalla and you just feast forever. You you fight and feast and nobody ever dies and you're all having fun. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. So, or, or, you know, in, in the rebirth religions, you get reborn as, you know, a god and it's great and you get to do whatever you want, you know. Um, Buddhism is different. Buddhism, um, the ultimate goal, the thing that if you follow the path of Buddhism to the very end and this is the way that that you succeed and have the greatest possible thing happen to you in Buddhism, what happens to you is you die and you actually properly die and you don't have to come back and do the whole life thing over and over again. And this kind of, so this goes to the premise of reincarnation, which is very key to Buddhism, uh, which is this idea that, um, you know, when you die, your uh, stream of consciousness, rather than a soul per se, but your stream of consciousness will will seek out a rebirth and you'll go through it again. Um, and essentially the the premise is that that, that kind of sucks. That like, you know, that, you know, this whole all life is suffering that we call it samsara, which is the cycle of birth and death. That, you know, samsara is kind of shitty and you don't really want that. And it's, it's not great. And like, you know, you go through life and all this stuff happens and it kind of, you know, just feels shit half the time. And like, actually that's not great. And so, if you can achieve enlightenment, if you can get to nirvana, that is essentially the ending of samsara. You exit the wheel of birth and death and you exit the cycle and you finally get to to cease to exist and you finally get to not have to do it anymore and you don't go somewhere better. You don't go to some place where you, where you get to live well. You, you just get to actually rest and stop, which is, you know, radically different to so many other religions so so you rest and stop but are you are you conscious no, of no, that no that's it you, you, so but, but, but you don't get to experience rest then like what, what's the point of resting if you don't like i i i went on a holiday in 2020 so pandemic year i um late late in the year october-ish um, my wife and i we went down to the coast for a couple of weeks and it was just the most awesome time did nothing mm. um and i i literally just after about a week i felt myself being relaxed um and i hadn't realized that all this tension from dealing with COVID and everything else that i'd been carrying in my body i didn't notice it until it was gone and i was like oh my goodness my shoulders have been tight for i don't know how long and now they're relaxed and and isn't that the joy of rest is actually experiencing the relaxation and able to be present in a moment of rest of fulfillment if you like like what's the point if you don't get to experience it well the point is to not have to experience the opposite of that which is having to come back and having to deal with all the stress again and like it's that thing uh, yeah I, I think we spoke about this um last week but you know this idea that you know that nothing is permanent right so you know that that feeling of rest is great but it will end you're going to get stressed again. You're going to have to engage in life in a way that 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 is problematic again. And and I guess the the idea in Buddhism here is that you know it's it's not you're not trying to achieve something for yourself. You're not trying to ex get to a certain type of experience that you know you live the rest of your life in a in a state of bliss. It's that you you want to stop 
the perpetuation of that cycle because that cycle is inherently problematic and it's inherently suffering. And so, you know, yes, you, you, you don't experience anything. You, you cease to exist and cease to have a consciousness, but that is a kind of, a, you know, um, yeah, that's the Buddhist version of absolution, right? It's, you know, it, but it's, it's a kind of, it is a selfishness in a sense. So isn't it, it's a like, well, I've escaped. You all are still stuck there. Sorry about that. Absolutely, it is. And this is where you get into this distinction between um, the Theravada and the Mahayana Buddhism, right? So um, uh, Theravada Buddhism is associated with kind of the original teachings of the Buddha, and the the aims are to go yourself and go out and become an arahant and achieve that enlightenment for yourself. And Mahayana Buddhism, the more North Asian Buddhism, um, essentially on two premises deviates from that. On one premise, it says that's really hard to do and it's a little bit unrealistic to try and have everyone try and do that. But on the other one, it says that, that that's a bit selfish. And actually, you know, there is a nobility and there's this bodhisattva path where you can deliberately uh, give up the pursuit of that or deliberately withhold yourself from the final step uh, that would stop you getting reborn in order to stay and support everyone else to to get there as well. So you, you support the enlightenment of others through accepting that you're going to then have to get reborn a few times and that sucks for you, right? So, yeah, it, it, it's it's a fascinating theological conundrum you get into. It's almost the way of the cross is a... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, so uh, on, the, on the article, kill me. Yep, d- do it. I, I, I do not want to live forever. I think that would be terrible. Okay, so I suspect that you and I might actually agree on, on options two and three there. So option two is radical life ex- extension in your present body. Uh, and option three is cybernetic immortality. Um, I guess the question is, like, what are, the, what are the problems and the challenges with one of these for you? I, I don't know, you ask me questions as well. Like, as I said, I, I think we're probably close to a unity ticket on some of these, I suspect. Yeah, so I think I think radical life extension. I think I personally wouldn't like that because I mean, yeah. Let's assume it's best possible case scenario. So you're not living a hundred years as if you're 150 years old and you have a body that doesn't work and a mind that doesn't work. Let, let, let's assume that science can fix that. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a kind of like a perpetuation of the just the same shit you have to go through. Like, like, mm-hmm. like I, I guess I kind of go, what's the point of that? Like, I, I, I think the only attractive proposition in radical life um, extension is essentially avoiding a fear of death, right? Like if you are, if you are scared of death, if you, uh, if the thought of the unknown of death really bothers you, then yeah. Okay. Extend your life indefinitely to avoid that. But I, I don't think that there's a real, positive um positive reason or outcome to do that and yeah let's not even get into the the ecological and you know you know kind of the the social impacts of what that might be because there is a view in the kind of the medical the scientific community um around this that that says that basically you know death is a disease of a kind and and we should be trying to cure it that's kind of our humanistic responsibility if you like but i guess my question there is why like wh- okay so death is a disease so well, why is death scary right yeah. like that was the way that you just like it's it's not the idea of nothingness 
somewhat scary for you? So this goes to an interesting kind of position I take, and this is kind of my my radical Buddhism position, right? And I, I legitimately believe this, and I, I you know when I tell people this, it, it sounds a little bit unfeasible, but I, I do actually engage with this. Um, I hold two things. I think predominantly, I think most of the problems in the world can be traced back to the fear of death mm-hmm. in one way or another. I think you take any problem and you really you step it back to the core. I think people are scared of death and they're trying to avoid death and they are trying to do everything they can to to not deal with that. And I think that is the root cause of a majority of problems in the world. I, I thought we'd be on a unity ticket here yeah. because that is absolutely a, a Christian idea, mm. that the fear of death is um, a, just a huge motivator for a whole bunch of stuff that we do. So um, the New Testament, I think it's Paul, um, writes that you know, Christ in, his, in Christ's resurrection, um, all of the enemies have been defeated and the last enemy to be defeated is death. Mm. And Christ has over, overcome death by his death and, and yeah. all of this stuff. Um, but like, yeah, I, I would say that, you know, if you, if you look at um, existential philosophy, which I'm kind of partial to, you know, Kierkegaard and all of those guys following in his footsteps, um, it, it really is like death is the motivator. That like death is the problem with existence. Yeah. So absolutely, I think that that's true. And the the more kind of radical element of it is, I personally refuse to avoid death, right? And like, I, I'm not. So what does that look like? Well, yeah, it, 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 we went down for a coffee just a moment ago, and you, I didn't see you like sticking your finger into a, a no, socket. So, or... so there's the, a the, the difference between refusing to avoid death and actively pursuing death, right? Um, and you know, I. You know, we can go into a separate time the the times I may have done the latter, but um, but the um, but I, I guess for me it's this thing where the yeah I I and I emotionally I don't actually feel like I do have a fear of death and and you know I think if any of the Buddhist teachings I've been able to take to heart and actually live I think this is the one I think there's a lot of stuff that I don't do very well but not being afraid of death I actually think I do do quite well and yeah to to me it's like. I just refuse to live my life trying to avoid death, you know, and what that. So, looks- so you're living kind of without fear insofar as it's in yes. your power. Yeah, and you know, I, I I take reasonable steps for safety. You know, I, I certainly try and avoid pain and try and avoid you know, grievous injury, um, but I also like you know, if someone goes, okay, cool, um, you know, you shouldn't go. You know, I, I, I do a lot of adventure sports and I, you, you shouldn't go rock climbing because you might fall and die. I'm like, well, that's not a good reason to not go rock climbing, right? Like, yeah. don't go rock climbing if you don't like climbing rocks. But if you like climbing rocks and you have the right safety equipment and you're, you're not being stupid about it, like, you know, yeah, of course you could fall and die. But, you know, every time I get in my car, I, yeah, I'm so, likely to die. So. so there's our death, but there's also like other deaths, right, mm. in, in life. And, and we could look at this in a bunch of ways. Like there's a, a death of a relationship um, or there, there's a death of uh, like, you know, a job, right? Like some possibility closes down in front of you and, you know, maybe something else opens up, but something has really, you know, something has died for you in that in that moment or even the, the death of a loved one, right? Um, how, how, how does that? fit with because I, I I suspect that whilst at the the root of things um, might be the fear of our own death um, and you know we're faced with our own mortality in in all of those moments in different ways but that that actually plays out in 
death more generally. And, and it may be just that those deaths are reminding us of our own mortality and our finiteness. And uh, we would rather think that we're infinite beings rather than accepting the finite beings that we are. Um, I don't know kind of if I'm going any further with that, but it's it's not just my own death, but it's death as a phenomenon as I experience it um, yeah. as limitation in the world. Yeah, and, and but I, I think the same applies, right? I, I try not to live in fear of avoiding the death of those things. I think relationships are a great example, right? I think the amount of people who get into relationships, uh, particularly romantic relationships, and are so scared of them ending and what that means that they stick in terrible situations that don't work for them because, oh, no, I have entered into this and the death of this is going to mean something terrible for my life and so I, I, I can't. I can't let it go. Yeah. It, yeah. it's, it's Who know, would I be without this? Yes, yeah. exactly right. Um, I, I think psych, you know, psychology would call it sunk cost fallacy, right? Like that, like that this idea that like, you know, you that the ending of things is somehow bad. I just, I, I don't agree with that. I think that things will always end, you know, um, in relationships. Uh, either the relationship will end or one of you will die. Um, and, you know... That, so the relationship will end. Exactly, you know. right. Yeah, so it's like... like So it's going to end. Uh, it's much better that it ends on, you know, terms that are suitable for everybody and, and everybody kind of gets what they can out of it and, you know, people are people's emotional pain is limited and that their opportunities in the future are maximized rather than just this clinging on to something to, to, to avoid it, to avoid it ending. Um, and I don't know, I think, um, I think I agree with you, right? I think, I think it's not just the fear of our own bodily death, but it's also the fear of the death of things that drives us to, to make really bad decisions and, and, and you know, really just get ourselves in all sorts of trouble. Well, and this is the the radical life extension kind of as an attempt to avoid that fear, um, if you like. Um, Cybernetic immortality is interesting too, though, right? That's the next one, right? And I think that is also... See, I see that as the similar thing to radical life extension, but with a different premise on the science. So it's still trying to avoid death, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you know, realistically, it's trying to avoid death of the consciousness. Mm-hmm. And essentially, what it's saying there's a is, question there about the self, right? But yes, yeah. um, but it's it, it's what it's essentially saying is that well, we can avoid death of the consciousness not by protecting the body, but by essentially uploading the consciousness to the cloud and existing in a kind of um, in a kind of digitized form, and that that's a way to extend your consciousness, you know, to infinity. Mm. And I, yeah, and again, I, I think it's the same problematic premise, right? Which is that, oh, I don't want my consciousness to cease, right? That again, s- stop, stop caring about your consciousness ceasing. It's fine. Like you know, <laughs> this is the Buddha here. Do not get attached. Do not, do not get attached to your life. You know, no, but it, yeah, it's like I mean, I don't know. I, I, and maybe this is like something wrong in my brain. But I've never seen the problem with it. It's just like, you know, either a, I die, um, and you know, I get reborn and so whatever, my consciousness didn't die. I got reborn, cool. <laughs> or I go to heaven and my consciousness, I'm, okay, I'm in heaven, cool. Or I die and I don't get reborn and that's the end, in which case I don't even know. Like I, I don't experience that, right? It doesn't matter to me anymore because I, I'm not there to experience it. And I think it's it's interesting because the, the cybernetic immortality, I think there's all sorts of 
um, scientific and technical difficulties there that I'm not qualified to, to comment on. But just it, like the idea of somebody hacking your body or hacking into your consciousness or something like that, like that's a, that's a real and present danger for us kind of right now at the beginning of the 21st century with all of the technology at our disposal. Um, and we're, we've seen some of that in recent election campaigns and with Twitter bots and all of that kind of stuff. How, how does that work? If my consciousness is in the cloud and someone can hack the cloud, I, I read something recently that suggested um, we're at kind of at the, the end of the great era of internet freedom. Um, and kind of we have this idea that, well, everything on the internet is just there and I can get to it any time I feel like. And well, well, actually, if there was to be you know, major cyber attacks and that kind of thing, just because it's on the cloud, you can't just get it off a database storage in the US or wherever from the other side of the globe just by snapping your fingers. So that that's there's interesting kind of technological, scientific things going on there. But I think what both of these have in common, having now remembered the point I was going to make before, is that um, in in trying to kind of flee death and control death, what we what we do is we're we're reaching for something beyond our own finitude, beyond our own beginning and end. Uh, and essentially, I, I would say that what we're trying to do when we do that is we're trying to be God. And we're trying to get beyond ourselves and who we've been made as um, to kind of to reach for more power and more control, if you like. And I think your point on on finitude is is good as well, right? Because I think what is it that makes something valuable? Value, I think, comes from um, comes from limitation. It, it comes from finitude, right? Like, you know. A, a really expensive piece of crockery is valuable because it might break. You know, if you have an unbreakable bowl, you just do whatever the hell you want with it, right? Throw it around. Or like, like if, you, if you have something that cannot break, you don't take care of it because it's, it's fine. It's just always going to be there. Um, and you know, I, I think, um, not to get too political, but I think this is kind of what we're seeing at the moment with... Um, with some environmental issues, right, is mm. that, you know, we have treated uh, the environment and planetary resources like they are infinite when actually we're now realising that there's a level of finiteness there. Yep. And um, that, that, you know, this is what happens if we think that something is infinite and it's not. You know, we have a really big problem. And I think if we were able to, you know, essentially solve death and heal our bodies or upload to the cloud or whatever it is, I think we would actually value life a lot less because it's like, oh, well, who cares if I am in a plane crash because, you know, whatever, like I, I can fix that. I can, I can solve that. Like, and I think you, but there was something I was reading recently and I, I forget who said it. So apologies to whichever author threw this at me. Um, but that the, the only reason that we need to worry about things like murder is because life is finite, right? Like that, and in fact, ultimately, you you could argue the only reason that we have morality is because things are finite, and and so therefore we have to attach value to things, as you say. Yeah. So yeah, I I don't know. I I just think there are so many problems with the premise of trying to live forever that I I I think um, the, um, the 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 humanist plus movement I think maybe. Yeah, maybe doesn't want to engage with considering like, well, what are the implications of 
just thinking that life is important for its own sake and no other no other reason. And I think there's also an aspect to that which, and, and this is something that um, humanist thought and philosophy does in, in general, which says that um, humanity is inherently good um, and we're inherently capable of you know, fixing things and improving things. And, um, and so if we lived longer, we would have you know, more knowledge and more intelligence and more life experience, which we could use to fix this, that and the other, um, which I, like, to my mind is, is just fundamentally naive. And you only need to look at the climate crisis that we have at the moment. And you, you were talking about environmental things before, the, the unintended consequences of that and I was even seeing um, there's some and this might be kind of political but here in Australia um, after the bushfires a few years ago there were there were um, debates around how are we caring for the natural environment um, and indigenous first nations people before all of us white folks rocked up would care for the environment and not just let it all grow holus bolus like which we say is is natural in inverted commas, by just, oh, we'll let it go, and that's how nature intended it. Well, actually, for potentially for tens of thousands of years before we got here, First Nations people were caring for their environment in thinning forests and, and this kind of thing. So, like, who, who's to say who is right? In that, like, we don't have as much wisdom in how we navigate life and the world around us as we might think that we do, is, is I yeah. guess, what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's a really good point. Um, I, I'm interested in this in this fourth one in the in the resurrection as I was promised hoping we'd in, get to that. in, in yeah. Bible passage X. Yeah. Um, I, I so yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I, I'm familiar with the concept of Christian resurrection, um, like uh, in, in theory at least. Um, and you know, I probably don't have enough time this episode to get into all the specifics of what heaven may or may not look like. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll we'll hit that C.S. Lewis button later. Um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I, I guess in the context of kind of this decision about humanism and about, you know, extending life and whatever else. Like, do you, do you want to walk me through that? Yeah, well, just one thing that I found kind of quite interesting in the direction that um, this article took, the idea of resurrection, is starting with death. Um, and death being not even a neutral thing or an escaper or whatever, kind of is that, um, but death being good mm. and death being a gift from God which is um, the, the way that he puts it here is Adam and Eve, um, way back in the, the creation story in the first three chapters of Genesis. Um, you you kind of you, you know the story that they're, they're in the garden. God says, you can eat from any tree in the garden, but not from that tree there that's the knowledge of fruit and evil. And the serpent comes and says to Eve, ah, did, and Eve says, oh, we could eat from any tree except for that one. And the serpent goes, did God really say you couldn't eat from that one? And they eat the fruit and bad things happen. And that, that's, you know, the story of the fall in there and everything else. Um, but God expels Adam and Eve from the garden. Um, and that's the point at which God says, now you shall die. And death is a response to human sinfulness in in this um, way of viewing the world, I guess. And we can view that sometimes as this terrible, horrible thing of uh, God is now punishing them by taking away immortality and they're not going to live forever. And well, But they're now in a world that is broken, that they have broken. Um, and so everything is going wrong and actually, that's a, a promise and a gift of you've stuffed up and everything is now kind of bad and chaotic and out of kilter of what God intended. 
and you're not going to have to live forever in that reality, which is somewhat similar to what you were saying before, but just that idea of death as a gift, I find really interesting. Yeah, that that sounds like it's kind of a yeah, similar premise to this samsara idea, right? That, yeah, that the world is inherently kind of problematic and that an opportunity to avoid that is is good right like that 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 you know essentially limiting the time you have to spend in the world that is constantly causing you suffering yeah. is a good thing and yeah and, and i guess the i guess where you know where christianity and buddhism may deviate on this is that the what happens after that right like you know in in buddhism it's like a well You've done it, and then you've got to start again. You've got to go back into it until you until you learn your lesson. Um, well, and this is where kind of Christian resurrection, that idea, is is so. Death is a, a gift, but also a curse, right? And and a burden. Um, and the resurrection is the promise of new life or restored life into uh, creation as it should have been. To put it that way, into a renewed world, into a world that is not chaotic and not broken um, and, and actually into rest. So this is you know, going beyond what the article says here, but the letter to the Hebrews describes resurrection as entering into God's rest, which is a fascinating way of, of putting it. It was in my mind when you were describing kind of the, the nothingness before, but um, in the, the resurrection life being a peacefulness, um, actually being at unity with God, with one another, with the creation, as it was all originally intended before the fall and sin entered the world. And again, that's a whole other podcast episode, mm. um, how we talk about all of that. Um, but to, to, so into a, a deep and abiding peace. Um, and Paul writes about Christ. He says, he is our peace. Um, and so it's, in, in death, you, you die to the world fully and completely and, and even this Buddhist idea of attachments and wrong desires and, and whatever it might be, well, the, they end for you, but you don't end. Mm. Um, you kind of, you actually, you go beyond that. You're, you're taken beyond that up into God's self, as it were, or into reality as it, as it should be. So there's a, a discontinuity and a continuity. It, there's like this unification kind of like almost like singularity point with God. Yeah, and that, that's definitely how um, kind of Eastern Orthodox theologians would, would put it, that it's a, yeah, a, a oneness there. Um, and the, the way that the New Testament understands Christ's resurrection is that that is the, the down payment of the general resurrection, and that actually frees us in some way from, I'll, I'll use the Buddhist term, but from attachment to the world um, and from sinfulness and from the world kind of exercising control over us and and all of those all of those things that kind of make death good in inverted commas where we are freed from all of that and we're freed from that now so Paul can write you have died to the world and your life is hidden in God with Christ even though I have not physically died yet with Christ I have somehow died and, and then I'm given the world back in a new way through a new lens with new eyes I'm not bound by the world I'm actually I'm bound to Christ and so I get to relate to the world and its brokenness mm. in a in a different way yeah and th that's not that dissimilar from that Buddhist idea of like 
I, I think you know, it comes down to the difference being the vehicle by which you achieve that, right? That that oneness, that that solidarity. Well, and this is the thing: is, that, is yeah, Christianity would say, "I can't achieve that. Yes, I have to die in order to get the like. I I have to die to myself. I have to die yeah. to the world. I have to ultimately die, die, and be resurrected." Because God has to do that, I'm not capable of it. Yeah, so so there, there, there's, there's a question of agency there, and and who is able to trigger that process? Which is yeah, it reminds me of this. Um, I, I can't resurrect myself, right? Like <laughs> yes, you know, uh, unless you're a humanist um, <laughs> or humanist plus, um, Get cryogenically frozen like Walt Disney. Or I think yeah. that one's a myth, but yeah, anyway, it yeah. Uh, it reminds me of this story um, of of this Christian and this Buddhist who walk into a bar, and, um, and <laughs> here we go, and they um yeah they. they they've got a menu there right so so the buddhist walks up to the bar and like you know is looking at the menu and they've got like a build your own burger and it's like cool you can put whatever you want in it and the buddhist goes oh yeah cool can you please um make, make me one with everything and then nice yeah 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 <laughs> don't know if there was oh yeah one with everything oh, well, i see the connection yeah. i see what you're doing yeah, it's yeah. One with it. yeah, I, look i have to draw long bows for these jokes uh sometimes you know um uh, but like, yeah i'll try and work with you at some point yeah, yeah. but no but, but legitimately I, I think um this is, this is probably where we have to end but um i i think this idea of oneness and oneness with everything is you know i i uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of, you know, I keep coming back to this idea that I think Christianity and Buddhism are very similar. And I think, you know, th- in, in this concept of death, I think what what's going on is that there's this analysis of the world that is similar, right? And then there's a deviation on the path and process of what happens at the end of that. But then when we actually come back together on this idea of unity, right? And this mm-hmm. idea of, you know, you were talking about like, you know, uh, you know, being at one with God and being in God's rest and being, you know, as part of that. Again, I, I think that is very similar to Buddhist nirvana. Um, and it's, it, it's, it's a language question, right? You know, you, you know, I, I think, you know, God versus, um, you know, the universe or, you know, the, 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 the law of nature or like, you know, the, 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 there's, there's a question of whether it's a being or not a being, but the, the understanding of what it is to engage with that and be with that and you know i mean yeah again i I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole because we do have to wind up but it's like the uh, it'd be interesting to kind of explore thoughts on like when you say getting reborn does that mean um or resurrected does does that mean in a in a body does that mean in in the sense of what it is to be you now or is it just like in that in that wholeness in that in that unity which i yeah which i think And, and that's a big actually theological debate within yeah. Christianity as well as everyone agrees that we get resurrected how that looks like yeah. that's a that's a whole other question that we don't we don't really have time for but I, w- I would just like to kind of shoehorn in yes that um, I think part of the difference anyway between the idea of Nirvana and the idea of a restored creation and, and God as universe versus God as personal being and all the rest of it is um, un- unless I'm very much mistaken the universe can't love me and doesn't love me um and and that to to me that's a we're going to keep butting up against this i'm sure Mm. but um in terms of how we understand god and the divine um i i think there's while while some of the ideas might sound similar and while the new creation might bear some resemblance to nirvana and, and vice versa in in how we how we see them and describe them and think they might be like um i i to me, there's just this huge difference there mm. in in what is the divine 
and and can you know can the divine have feelings and and this kind of stuff again that's something for another episode that that, that is deeply interesting and yes we, we will leave it there because i i um i i think that's a great point to finish it on but th- thanks so much for being with me this week jacob and discussing all things theological and um you know cloud computing thanks jamal and just one thing to throw out we've talked a lot about death and things like that on this you know this episode and the impermanence of life um, and just for any listener out there who's struggling with that kind of thing um, just want to say that you are your personhood and who you are is sacred and precious um, and I've, I would say that you are you are loved uh, and so if you're struggling with thoughts around death and that kind of stuff um, please get in touch with lifeline on 13 11 14 um, because as much as we've been talking about death in here, life is is actually more precious and more valuable than Ab- that. Absolutely. Um, professional help is always available and important and um, you know, don't 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 get too caught caught up in the theological uh, in the theological rabbit holes around that. Um, thanks so much, Jacob. Um, if anyone does want to contact us, um, you can do that on ChristianBuddhistBar at gmail.com. You certainly can. Our music is by Kevin McLeod. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. It's wonderful to be with you. You too.